0: How is your, your mic is fine? Yeah, my yeah. Mic is
1: you want me to just... Any other checks? Uh Phone? Is your phone off?
0: Vibrate? Turn that off. Uh, yeah, and yeah, uh, we are recording. So, hey, everyone. Welcome to Over 50 Starting Over. And I'm
1: Barry Edwards. And I'm Merle Garrison.
0: I almost said I'm Merle Garrison.
1: <laughs> everyone wants to be me, right? <laughs> there you go. That's for
0: sure. All right, this is a podcast where we just talk about bettering ourselves in the second half of our life. Uh, Mostly it's about professional, but it's also about uh, our personal lives because they're one and the same. They both affect each other. You know, to that end, uh, and first of all, I'll say there's a million different things I'd like to talk about today. It seems like we haven't talked in a while. It has been like 10 days or nine days or whatever because we were doing that the New Year's Eve. So I threw us off schedule. Uh, but there's just a ton of things I'd like to talk about. But as I said, talking about the, how the personal lives interact with the professional lives for sure. Just this morning, as I was waking up, having my coffee, I was listening to a Jordan Peterson lecture. I mentioned him from time to time. He's my new favorite intellectual. He is, by the way, he's, did I, did you see anything? I sent you uh, a video of his.
1: Recently, no, I you, didn't, but I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan. Oh,
0: okay, so I, I will love just re- that guy, me too, me too. He is the most brilliant guy alive today that I am following, uh, in my opinion. And he is a psychi- psychologist that is a professor at the University of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And he is very much uh, just the way it pans out, he ends up being an anti far left. Ad, uh, advocate if that's the right word and I say that his, his intention is not to be anti-far left it's just when people ask him questions and he makes sense of things the far left are the ones that get uh, trampled, uh, trampled.
1: It, it, it triggers them
0: it, yes and the the funny thing about that is he is dead in the middle of their war zone in Toronto Canada you know at the University of Toronto Right. he couldn't right. be more surrounded I can't believe they haven't You know, I don't know. uh, Found a way to uh, unseat him there, but he's just so respected across the world. He really is. And he his prominence came about just simply by some of his lectures being put on YouTube, and people are just like, "Oh my God, this is brilliant!" And and I watch his lectures a lot because I find him so inspiring with his his common sense and his commitment to uh, betterment. And, uh, you know, getting by the anxiety in life and onto a productive life. And, oh, boy, this is a path I wasn't intending. I wanted to briefly say something. But I do want to make clear that he talks about kind of in a way he speaks a lot to young men. That's yes. just to find him most. He says, well, it's just because 80% of viewers on YouTube are men, young men, and uh, they find him, and it's the the left movement of emasculating men. Um, right, right. Um, and, and trying to demonize, especially men, and, uh, and men with such anxiety. And, and it's not natural it's because it's not natural we men and women we are different we should celebrate our differences and embrace them and so on but so i was watching it was an hour and 15 minute lecture and i did not bookmark it for i, I wasn't sure i was going to talk about it uh but you know it was it was very interesting merle you would love it because the the premise of the entire thing was he gets asked a lot well do you believe in god and it took him at least 45 minutes to answer that question. Really? Because, oh, yes, yes. Because for him, there's no easy answer to anything. No. And and uh, a lot of what he said was, if I say, if I just come out and say, yes, I believe in God, well, how honest am I being with you and myself? Because a lot of it perhaps is because of the fear of, well, what if there is a God? And so he said most of us are probably largely motivated by that, who say we believe in God, are really very much motivated by the fear of if there is a God. And Hmm. so explain that. Uh, Literally, it took him 45 minutes to explain all of this. So I can't, in 10 to 30 seconds, summarize it for you in a way that's going to make sense. But here's where I wanted to get with it. So at an hour and 20 minutes in, I remember because I came back and I listened to it three more times. I, and I have to say, Jordan Peterson to me is a lot like reading about quantum physics. I often have to go back and right, I have right. to listen to a lot of parts again. Yep. He, he's absolutely brilliant. I admire the man. But at a minute in, uh, an hour and 20 minutes in, he started talking about his relationship with his wife and talking about uh, somewhat of relationships in general and about the contentiousness of his relationship with his wife. And, um, and it, it hit home with me on a number of different levels, and I started instantly thinking about all the different people in my life with all the different types of relationships that they have with their wives or significant others, and contentiousness, how he was saying, he started to get a laugh, and, and he, oh, because he said, he he. He made a remark that, you know, if when I'm paraphrasing, when the shit hits the fan, he can out debate her very quickly and. Put her in her place so to speak and he got a laugh and he goes no that's not a good thing he goes that was not my intention you have to understand just because i'm a good debater a skilled debater doesn't mean that her perspective her she's a very intuitive person and that has an extreme amount of value which is different from his perspective right and And that is my point, is I think that uh, men and women, we need to celebrate our differences and honor even the contentiousness in our relationships, if we have them. Um, Because I think that's what brings out the best in us. I think a partner that can say in a constructive way, hey, Barry, how about maybe you're looking at this the wrong way? How about this point of view? You know, maybe you're being an asshole here, you know,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
0: because I also have known, and I have been in a uh, codependent relationship before where you're just so huddled together that you just agree with each other all the time. And what ends up happening is you end up uh, burning other relationships in your life because right. you, yeah. And I've known several people like this. And uh, so you, Uh, No matter how wrong you may be in that moment, your partner's telling you, yeah, that's right, damn it, us against the world. And that's not healthy either. So... What I got, I honestly got very emotional. I'm not, I'm not uh, paraphrasing this section of the video well um, because I'm trying to get through it quickly. But I honestly got very emotional about it because of the sense that it made to me and how I'm so often trying to see myself in the right in my relationship, and that's such a horrible place to be when, as my uh, taking. Full response, I believe a lot in personal responsibility, okay? Mm, and, mm-hmm. and, and what I bring into the household is, what I bring in is what I can have control over. Right. And and I honestly know that I can set an energy in a room when I walk into, if I, if I think about it, if I'm conscious of it. More often than not, I'm in my own head, in my own world, and I forget that I do it have that power, but how I walk into a room, no matter who's in there, I have a lot of responsibility for the energy that takes place thereafter. Do you agree with that? Do you understand oh, yeah, what I'm
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I understand. And, you know, I think the, the big point, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about contention and, I certainly wouldn't use that word with my wife watching the show, but Anne-Marie and I talk about this all the time, you know, I mean, she sees different things than I see. She thinks differently sure. than I think. And um, really, you started out talking about God and, um, you know, as far as the Bible is concerned, uh, our relationship is really a picture of a relationship between me and God and um, and the wife represents me. And so that is how the Bible describes it. And it also says that, of my wife, that she's my helpmate. And so we're men though. And mm-hmm. as men, we have a lot of pride. God made us that way. And yeah. it, He made us that way because He wants us to be responsible. And sometimes pride drives responsibility. And we we take that very seriously. However, we live in a fallen world and that can be corrupted. And we can have to always be right. It's a competitive nature that God has given us. So so that's not wrong uh, to be competitive, even with your wife, because that brings out the best in any situation. The thing is, is that as men, I think that. It behooves us to really listen to our wives, even if we're uh you know, stone headed about the direction to go. And I'll give you an example of I've never like happen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was your roommate, Barry <laughs> 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 um, but I'll give you an example of something that happened the other day between Anne Marie and I. We were uh, going to the store, and, and the store is just a about uh, a few blocks away from here. And we were just going to pick up a couple of things and carry it back. And uh, it was nighttime, and it wasn't really nighttime. You know how it is at six o'clock; it's mm. pitch dark outside, oh, so it yeah. seemed like it was midnight, but it was only six o'clock.
0: Sure. And
1: on our way home, I wanted to take Anne Marie down this this path there. A, um, there's an apartment, it's actually a townhouse complex, and when you go into that area, it's beautiful back there. It's like a little bit of paradise with these rivers, these man-made rivers and bridges and the lights. Oh, it's so peaceful. So I wanted to take her back there, and on our way, it was a little bit off the beaten path, on our way back there, there was a guy that was approaching us. And we decided to cross the street because that's where the path was. But when we crossed the street, he was about fifty yards away from us. As we were crossing the street, he suddenly was right next to us, saying some weird things. And as he was as he ran past us, his body was acting really weird. He almost seemed like he was flapping his wings or something. And then <laughs> it's and then, L.A., man. This and, doesn't surprise okay, me. Okay you and I think alike. Okay. So, right. so then he passed us and went about, oh, I don't know, 20 yards up the street and then crouched down and faced us. And, uh, wow. and, and I, okay. But the path I wanted to go down was right there. He was 20 yards away and we were right there. We were going to go the opposite direction. And I said, I want to go over here, Anne-Marie. And she, she grabbed a hold of my arm and she said, no. And I said, mm-hmm. well, it's it's beautiful back there. Let's just go back there. And she grabbed me again. And she said, honey we right. we have to go and that's when it all came together for me see just like you barry as a man i'm thinking it's la that's some crazy guy right there i wasn't threatened yeah. but and right. saw something different as a woman and mm-hmm. uh, and i knew now there was a decision i had to make do i listen yeah, to it he, he was kind
0: of crazy man yeah, it's, it's one
1: thing to have
0: somebody that kind of directly threaten you in a sane way, okay? That's one right. thing, but it's you don't know what the yeah. hell somebody that's crazy. And, you know? and it wasn't direct. that's the unknown.
1: It wasn't direct either. It wasn't right. like he said something kind of to me, you know, like hey, you blah blah blah. It wasn't. It wasn't like that. So it it didn't register for me. It was just some guy. And so. Anne it's Marie creepy. said, we, We're going to the other side of the street. And I just, you know, knowing Anne Marie and her, I trust her intuition. I've learned to trust sure, her. Sure. I just sure. went right across the street with her. We started walking. The guy started parallel walking with us on the other side of the street. It was, re- it was really weird. Anyhow, bottom line is I realized she was right and mm-hmm. that there was nothing Agreed. to win by going back there. Um, even though, and, and, and I got to tell you, um, there was some pride that that came, even though I I followed Anne Marie, there was some pride yeah. came up there, which was I could whoop that guy's butt easily. I'm way bigger than him. I'm in shape. I could, no. but see that doesn't matter. Why? Why? No, That's we're stupid. not we're not at that age anymore the where that should be our first thing, thought. The overwhelming thing that I had in my mind was protect my wife, make sure my right. wife is safe. Pride means nothing, and right. so uh, we came home and we were safe, but. That's just an example of how, you know, that relationship could get contentious, but she's my helpmate. She, she mm-hmm. I told her all night long how wise she was and how happy I was that she nice. made that decision. And also it makes me happy that she would make a decision like that when I'm not around. And so mm, I, I just, point. just an example of, you know, what. How George, they're smarter here,
0: than us in different ways. Well, for you sure. know,
1: we need each other. Um, yeah. You know, True. there was this big movement when back in the '80s and '90s. When I don't need no man, you know, and yeah, the fact Lisa's is, still in there. She says that all the time. Well, you're there though, so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she might right. say that, but you know, the fact is, you know, all we really need is God. Uh, that's yeah. that's who we sure. really need. But God put these marital relationships so that we can really learn about what unconditional love is. And unconditional yes. love is actually a person. His name is Jesus Christ. We learn about this from our spouses. We learn about it from our dogs, as you and I have talked about. Yes. Unconditional love is the most powerful force in the universe.
0: It is heaven. In my, it is heaven. It is God, in my opinion. Uh, it is the pure. It is the one. Uh,
1: okay. I want to move along a little bit because we got a lot... in. Are you done? Unless you yes, had something. I, I did have a question about Go the ahead. Jordan thing where he was talking about God. And I, I, I just was curious why it took him 45 minutes to answer that question. Uh, because he
0: is an existentialist who sees all sides to everything. And he, and he's ex- because of his wisdom, he's extremely humble. So when he says that, he wants to tell you that he believes in God. For one, he says that he doesn't believe that he has been challenged enough in life. Uh, is it maybe like Job or somewhat biblical or like that, where he says that he can uh, realistically come out and say that he has some kind of authority to say that you know he believes in God. It's really out of extreme humility and intelligence to tell you the truth um
1: i'll give you my take on it i i you you know know. it says in the bible that god has given his the knowledge of him to the simple of the world and it sounds to me like jordan peterson's making it way too hard
0: Mm, i think that when you have a certain level of awareness that what you're seeing is hard to him isn't hard uh Mm. and i know that when i listen to him I know that when we talk about God, it gets you in a certain frame of mind, but let's say we're talking about race relations. Okay. He will take the exact same, it will take him 45 minutes to explain the exact same kind of thing. And then you'll go, wow. Okay. Mm. That's really, it's easy for him because he's so freaking intelligent. He's so he's got a level of awareness that is beyond 99% of the people my sure. only, my it's, only point it's, it's, is this
1: is that he's got a huge following of people and they want to know, and they're listening to him and they are, yeah. they want to believe what he believes. That's why they're watching. And if he stutters on, if he believes in God or tries to explain it in a roundabout way, I don't know. Does that help the people that are listening? Uh, I, it well, makes me think that it would cause people to lose faith. Um,
0: I, okay, that's kind of, that's very faith and intelligence
1: are different.
0: We're going down the rabbit hole now. But I, so I do want to tell you that one reason why I always bring my metaphysical approach to things, and I, and I preface everything with always saying, I don't want to shake anyone's faith. No. But if you do have doubts, if you're someone like me who grew up their entire life needing certain questions answered, like infinity, um, a number of other things i the personification of god always kind of bothered me and i always thought well the bible seemed to me to be <coughs> pardon me to be obviously written by humans interpreted by humans and therefore you get certain embellished stories and that kind of thing so i needed to find a way where i could say i believe in god Without being hypocritical, without lying to myself, because I can't lie to myself. So I needed to figure things out. And so that's why I offer on this podcast on some occasions my take on things. And I say that to me, God, universe, one, unconditional love, all those things mean the same thing Uh, Mm. to me. God is not so personified as much as the one, the energy, Uh, heaven, Mm. same thing and uh, and that we are always trying to come back to that, and we eventually do, and we eventually are. I mean, we are becoming more godlike and so on. So to I me, my oh, faith sorry. makes perfect sense to me, and ah. so I don't want to, anybody that has Christian ideology, stick with it. it, it it's true. It, it's all the same thing. It's true. I only bring, I only put forth my slant on things for people that or need those questions answered if
1: it totally if, got it okay i i so, wonder though why and you're not the only one um but you did say that you felt that a lot of the stories in the bible are embellished um and that's because interpret- it's written by people
0: Yes. Yes. By humans. Um, so. I do believe it's divinely inspired. Uh, eventually I want to get back to the over 50 starting over stuff that we basically do in the beginning. But, uh, as you ask, yes, I do believe that the, the Bible, like the constitution, I believe the same thing divinely inspired. I truly believe that. I believe I an it. artist, uh, a, 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 terrific artist, one a, a, an amazing artist is divinely inspired for sure. Uh, i'll tell you a quick story uh about 20 years ago i remember watching the late show at, at night you know eleven thirty at night when they would have the musician come on you know the typical mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. and i don't know if it was leno or carson back then uh but this young girl came out 19 years old beautiful playing the piano like she's brand new she's playing the piano like uh like Liberace or something, and start singing this song that she wrote like a freaking bird. It was amazing. I had tears in my eyes through the whole thing because I knew the purity of what I was watching. It was Alicia Keys, first time that I'd ever heard of her. And I absolutely believe that she had tapped into that divine inspiration. There's no way that a 19-year-old had all on her own all of that blessing that talent I so understand
1: on. what you're saying and I've seen you know little what? kids like that too that are yeah, like, there's sure. no way that they could have learned that they're 5 hey listen to
0: this listen how this comes full circle that's very same lect- lecture by Jordan Peterson I was just talking about at the very end when he was putting a bow on everything and this isn't the first time I've seen him like this where he's speaking such a truth that he got very emotional like he's choking back the tears as he's winding it up. And he wasn't talking about anything that was sad or anything. It was that he was reaching such a pure truth. He was tapped into that other side. The same thing that brought me to tears. Yeah, uh, that's how that kind of stuff works. So when we're talking about over 50 starting over, talking about uh, reaching for the better part of your career and the better part of your relationships, when you do tap in, when you do it's, uh, it's a reason why we talk about spirituality so much, because when you do tap in to get away from the ego and tap into more of the pure, that's when you're going to be happier with your career, it's going to be happier with your relationship. So it all does tie together. And uh, I, I want to share a tip, a very important tip, that I only just learned about about a week ago. I have a friend that and a colleague, uh, she's a marketing. And has had a very illustrative career. And uh, she's now working for the government and has been killing it in uh, a PR kind of position with the Census Bureau. And she told me, she emailed me and said, wow, I saw this job you would be perfect for. And it's on usajobs.gov. And I had never thought about checking out anything like this. And I, and I did check out what she was uh, talking about. And uh, my end of it isn't important and, what I, and not what I want to share. Uh, though what she saw was I could be working with a couple government agencies from across the country remotely from Cleveland. And I mean, very lucrative as well. And one of the biggest drags for me is always replacing a client. I need about four to five clients at any given time. And one drops off, I got to find another. It's, it's getting to be a drag 20, 30 years of this, it it gets to be a drag, you kind of want to uh, find something. So I what I want, here's my point is if you are over 50, looking to start over, wondering what to do, we talk about passion, finding your passion. And by the way, I'm putting the finishing touches on uh, a conglomeration of my blog posts on passion to offer it as a free ebook on our website. So by next week, I'll have that offered for us. Wow. It helps you, to help you identify your passion. Sometimes it's very hard to find. But I want to tell you, go to usajobs.gov log in, create a profile, log in and do a search, whether you want to do it by your city, if you don't want to move, whether you want to do it by your occupation or whatever. There are some terrific jobs out there. You will then have to modify your resume so that you have a very good cover letter that reflects what they're looking for, bulleted out. And then your resume has to be in a CV format, which is where, remember we talked about the one to two page resume and Yes. Whether, that's, whether it has to be that way anymore. Let's accomplishments with each job as it is pertinent, and then mention what kind of stellar thing outcome that you help promote in that position. Okay, so that's that's what it is as a CV. But we can just button that up, but I thought it was so important that for the over 50 starting over crowd check out usajobs.gov if you're looking for something new and exciting it, hey. remember how we always talk about how if you don't open up a, if you don't open up the doors the opportunities can't show themselves yeah that's all this is it doesn't mean you're going to lo- leave
1: your job and do something here but you don't know if you uh, don't try question for you barry are these all government jobs or are they all around They are government jobs. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm Yeah. So it was USA, say that USA
0: jobs, USA jobs.gov. All right, cool. That's a great, great tip. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's the main one. I had some others that, but my God, Merle, we're almost halfway into this already. So I'm going to save my other 050 tips for another podcast so we can crush this forward. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Hey, I did want to do a shout out to uh, our friend of the show, Rex Lee, who emailed us about his his article on the need for an electronic bill of rights. And you and I just briefly texted about that, said, yeah, it's pretty heavy. And it is. But... We had touched on the privacy issue briefly a couple podcasts ago. I remember we mentioned about the Patriot Act coming off the 9-11 thing, how the government just decided, wow, this is a perfect time to uh, take away a whole lot of, to butt into the privacy of the public. And they're never going to give that back if they don't have to. Well, this has continued on in a very ba- uh, very bad way. So Rex has a part one and a part two article that um, I'll put a link to in the show notes. Great, great. And I'm only going to summarize this so that people can check it out on their own because it's a pretty heavy read, but I'll, I'll summarize it in a nutshell. He's, he's saying whether you got a laptop or a PC or your smartphone, you basically have a robot next to you with eyes and ears who's transmitting all of that information right back to the government. And to private companies such as Apple and all of the a- app makers that put their stuff on their phones or in computers, they're gathering all this information. And you know those terms and conditions that we all just scroll through real quickly and sign because what else are you going to do? Well, he pulls out summaries, little paragraphs here and there, and shows you how it says we are—we can access your phone at any given time and take pictures, video of you, whatever, and use it without your knowledge in any way that we see fit. That's horrifying. Okay? So we do need an electronic bill of rights. It's a tall order, but this is 1984, living and breathing yeah. for real. Yeah. It really is. So... Lisa and I were uh, having friends, uh, having dinner with friends the other night and uh, our friend's new house, they have Alexa and he's telling me that he, he and his wife the other night were talking about a product. Yeah, we kind of, maybe we should get that. I forget what it was. He says the next morning it's all over in his browsing, uh, wherever he's browsing, he's seeing ads for this product. How terrifying is that? He's having that conversation in his living room with his wife, but Alexa's listening.
1: Yes. And
0: that. So then my other friend who was there the next day saying how he's going to get Alexa. And I'm like, are you insane? I, I mean, really, you're going to bring, uh, you're intentionally bringing this surveillance into your home. And he's like, Oh, I got nothing to hide. Think about how we're thinking, Merle. We're thinking, well, I'm not looking to overthrow the government or things like this. Uh, it's it's not just that. Look, look what my one friend did. He's talking about a product. Now products are showing up in his news feed. It's... You could end up paying thousands of dollars more for whatever it is, your, your cable or Hulu or whatever, when they start identifying your buying and listening habits, when they start seeing what kind of things you talk about politically, what kind of mindset you have, all of a sudden you're thrown into an algorithm, okay, where all these other like-minded people, well, we find if we price this in this way, they will end up paying more than the other person. You know, these are these are the way and, you know, what's the scariest is all the things that I can't think of that all these nerds have already figured out algorithms to that how they're going to screw us. So I, it's 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 terrifying, in my opinion.
1: It is terrifying. And you're right. It's 1984. This is actually happening right now. And there are all kinds of repercussions to this type of environment that we live in. And it's interesting as we look at this, how deeply tied into the government that these companies are, like yeah. Apple and Google. And those two work hand in hand. Now, here's what the scariest part is: it's not so much that they're that they're able to extract our data, it's who's looking at the data. And what it's I'm serious. seeing here is this is that Venezuela is a great example. If we take a look at Venezuela and what's happening there, it's it's terrifying. Uh, we have a, a a dictator, a tyrant that's taken over. He was uh, de-elected, I guess you could say. He lost the election. And the person that won the election, uh, he is not allowed to come in and sit in the office. This is a uh, a socialist government and they've ruined the entire economy. There's no water, there's no bread, there's no food. People Horrible. are eating out of the trash. By the way, they, uh, the government of Venezuela took all of the private citizens' guns, and so now they can't defend the, their, themselves from the government. And I've seen video that? of people being run over in the street by tanks. Okay, so now here we are wow. in America, and we've got an arm of the government, uh, the legislative branch that seems to be attacking uh, the executive branch and, and trying to neuter it, not just for President Trump, for, but for any president after this. yes, uh, I, I'll say it now and I've said it before. I am an American supporter. I believe in America. I, mm-hmm. I believe in the office of the presidency. So uh, it doesn't matter who's in there. It's the, the presidency is what I believe in. And weakening the power of the presidency actually weakens our rights as people yes. here in this country. Yes, Um, It's interesting if we take a look at the Declaration of Independence, um, you've heard the old saying, uh, you can't be judge, jury, and executioner. Well, uh, that's exactly what the Declaration of Independence is accusing King George of, of being judge, jury, and executioner. And what they say in the Declaration is that no man can take all of that power unto himself. And uh, if they do, Uh, that's tyranny. And that's why we're breaking off from this country. So that's why we have three branches of government, um, the executive, judicial, and legislative branch. If those two combine to become one, that's judge, jury, and execution, or only God can have that kind of power. And only God is moral enough to handle that kind of power, because as we know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. Here's where I'm getting, is that if the media coordinates with a tyrannical government and they're listening to everything that you're saying well we've seen the hearings already in the impeachment trial it doesn't Mm. matter what you say Mm, whatever you say is going to be used against you and twisted into something that Mm. you didn't say and so if we take a look at what's really scary here. It's exactly what you said in the beginning, 1984, where two plus two equals five. And if you don't Mm -hmm. say that it equals five, and by the way, tomorrow it's going to be another number. And if you're Mm -hmm. not down with that, then you're going to be eliminated. And that's where I see what Rex is doing. Uh, He's, he's, he's Mm -hmm. illuminating that for us. And it's really interesting. You talked about the app permissions that are in there. Those are hidden. What he was showing in there are hidden app permit. You can't. He, it took him a year to find these app permissions. Then wow. he went to T-Mobile and Verizon and said, hey, aren't we protected? And, the, and they actually responded and said, no, it used to be that you were protected and no more are you protected. So the other downside is this, is China. Uh, there is a company out there called Badu badu showed up on some of my stuff badu is a chinese company and they're out there to steal our business intelligence and so what they're doing is they're able to hack in this company and many companies in china they're able to hack in using these app permissions to find Mm -hmm. out trade secrets and come first to the market with these products through uh through the work that we're doing here so in other words they're eating our lunch, and this is all happening through your cell phones it's happening through your computers. Let me just finish by saying this: One of the downsides is this is that I mean, we live in this world. How can we com- how can we exist without this technology you can't you can't be in this world without using the technology. My wife Anne Marie is very concerned about this as well, we all mm-hmm. should be so mm-hmm. One of the things that she did as a precaution with her phone was, hey, I'm not using this iCloud because they can take uh, my information that way. And mm-hmm. even backing up data can be hacked in some other way. And this is all personal information. The downside mm. is when her phone broke, we lost all of the information yeah. that she had. And so it's, yeah. a, it's a terrible decision that we have to make here. Do we stay secure or mm-hmm. Do we risk losing everything? And it's a rock and a hard place. It is, but
0: here's how I think about it. I don't have the answer to this, but I always think that you know it. It doesn't matter what generation you're talking about. All, every generation will always say, "Oh, well, the good old days." and <laughs> Right, trying to put the brakes on, you know, and well, if we just stop doing, you know, stop with technology and a lot of people have said that you can never stop evolution. You can never stop moving forward and everything, believe it or not, always gets better. We are in a better time than we've ever been. I always hear people say, well, I wish I lived back in the twenties or this. Yeah, "Yeah, I bet you uh, don't like that air conditioning too much. Do you, or all the other, or, you know, heat and uh, all the other discomforts that... with no microwave. Oh, yeah. I mean, just that alone. It takes an Uh, hour to make a potato. Right. (laughs) Right. So here's where I'm going with that. A 100% transparent society. You know, the whole... Even the adjective of transparency, uh, as we use it today, has only seemed to become popular in the last 10 years. And what I mean by this is... Uh, no longer, what, what, what about when all of the boundaries are taken down? So we are into each other's business 100%. No longer can you guilt and shame somebody about their secrets that they hide behind closed doors. We all have them. We all know them. And even how about open source technology? Okay, so back to you're talking about uh, the company in China that can steal all of our technology secrets and then build upon them. Well, Open source technology. We've uh, we've used that since really the beginning of the internet to help build these incredibly powerful platforms and let people add to them, steal from them, and add to them and make them infinitely better as we move along. This has been the yeah. backbone of the internet since it's been around. So maybe this is a natural society when no longer looking past the boundaries of individual countries when we start to break down all those barriers. And so China's taken our so-called open source technology and building upon that. Well, then we steal it back and build upon that. And so everything, all the boundaries just come down.
1: Maybe it's yeah. the beginning of world peace. Or World War Three. <laughs> I mean, let's face it trade causes wars it always has um and when people are stealing trade secrets that's usually how wars start so it, it could be the opposite I, I think going back to this bill of rights that we talked about mm-hmm. before um mm-hmm. it, look the fact is is that if if we have a platform where people are stealing countries are stealing uh, relevant information and and and, and um Uh, things that protect our country and they're stealing us, that's not, that's going to lead to war. Uh, Mm -hmm. We need to have some type of way of protecting this information. And I think it starts here at home because if, if here at home we're able to steal each other's information, then of course everyone in the world could steal our information. We got to batten down the hatches here first so that, We, so that we're safe internally. And I think that's going to cause us to be safer externally as well. But if, if, Mm. if an American company like Apple or Google can just steal my data, which they're doing, and by the way, so is the NSA, um, NSA has
0: been doing that for a long time. Then
1: what's to stop China from doing the same thing. I'm just saying (laughs) like, we got to do this here first. Yeah, I, I agree.
0: Speaking about going to war. That's a good segue. What about, uh, how, how about uh, Trump sending that drone in the takeout Soleimani at the Iranian general? And, um, of course he's condemned for that. And uh, of course, and, um, then, so, oh my God, looks like we may be going to war now. The headlines are like today. Well, Trump's pulled back and it looks like war has been averted. Where do you say, what's your take on all this? Okay.
1: Well, I just want to take a second and take a step back and think about just what has happened over the last several years with Iran. And I I just think that that let's, let's put some perspective into this whole thing. Um, first of all, Iran is a terrorist nation. They're the number one state sponsor of terrorism. These guys are not our friends. They just are not. I know that the Obama administration had tried to patch things up with Iran by sending them $1.8 billion worth of cash and also come up with some type of uh, uh, an agreement that they would not build nukes. But to trust the Iranians in that area, to me, seems a bit naive. When you take a look at the fact that this – government that started in 1979 by the mullahs in iran the very first thing that they did was they took 52 of our hostages and they Mm. kept them for over a year Uh, president carter was the president at that time and i think it's it's really relevant to take a look at who the president was (coughs) and and what changed on uh december 20th 1981 Mm. for nearly a year and a half our uh, our people were held hostage by the Iranians, the uh, the new government that had taken over uh, against the Shah. The Shah was an ally of ours. And uh, what had happened was they uh, kept them until the inauguration of President Reagan. Mm-hmm. Now, I just I think remember. it's very interesting that they let go of the hostages the day Reagan was, was inaugurated. And remember, Carter actually tried to save the hostages. He had those Apache helicopters come in and they crashed. Uh, It was a disaster. They obviously were not afraid of Jimmy Carter, but they were afraid of of Reagan because they knew that he was going to take action. There's a difference between the progressives and the constitutionalist conservatives. If you take a look at Reagan's presidency over eight years, he had one major uh, military conflict, and it was Grenada. I wouldn't even call that major, but it it started and was over in six days. That's how constitutionalists handle war. (laughs) They use strategic strikes, and they spare American blood. That's what they do here we go with the Iranians today. And you take a look at president Trump and the action that he took. And I just want to compare this to Obama and Benghazi and what happened there. Because as soon as the problem happened over at the embassy in Libya, um, the people were calling for help and help didn't come. And not only that, our ambassador was murdered and not only that, the whole Lib- Libya now is in flames. Um, they, it, it, the latest is in, uh, in the capital of Libya, they're selling slaves. Slavery has happened now. Wow. As a result, this place is completely, it's hell now over there. And um, I remember our secretary of state saying, what difference does it make? And that was really the uh, the the deal we lost. And by the way, uh, the secretary of state and the ambassador were good friends. And so there was no response. And 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 we got a lot of uh, a lot. We really got dragged through the mud on that whole thing. And I don't Mm -hmm. think we've gotten a lot of answers on what happened. What a constitutionalist does is a constitutionalist takes care of business immediately, not by sending gobs of troops over there and spilling American blood, but looking at, at exactly where the problem is, pinpointing that and eliminating the problem. That's what happened with Soleimani. Soleimani was planning on blowing up our embassy in Baghdad. Those were his guys that were out there. Those weren't protesters. Those were military people from Iran. Um, I, I, this, uh, it, What could have happened is our embassy and everybody in it dead today and that's not the case here's another thing is immediately upon taking over the presidency trump enforced the sanctions on iran and as a result iran is being strangled economically. Those mullahs don't have the resources to do what they want to be able to do. And so uh, two things are affected. One is their economy, and two is their ability to make a nuclear bomb, and three is their ability to wage war against the United States. Remember, after the the, uh, the two strikes, one was taking out that base, killing 25 of the Iranians, and two was taking out Soleimani they, the Iranians, vowed retaliation mm. and um, everybody thought, oh, my God, President Trump is yeah. putting us into a sure. war, much like Hitler at the end of World War Two, where he didn't have the resources to provide gasoline for the for his Luftwaffe. Mm. So the planes had to sit on the ground while we kicked their butt and, and <laughs> blew up their planes. This is where Iran is right now. They don't have the resources to have a major war with the number one military in the world. As a result, they can only uh, do things to save face. And what they did was they shot 14 missiles. Those 14 missiles were decades old. Those are intercontinental ballistic missiles. I heard a lot didn't even detonate. Now, some of them crashed before they even got to Iraq. Yeah. Uh, uh, four of them crashed before they even got to Iraq. Uh, t- uh, ten, ten of them made it into Iraq. Only one of them hit the base and no casualties. This yeah, was, They
0: did that intentionally because they didn't
1: want to do a true act of war. It was to save face, as you said. And I don't know that they actually have the resources to do any worse than what they did and so this appeases their uh, their people um, that oh yeah we dragged America's nose in the dirt and also this gives us finally the opportunity to let's get out of here boys I mean we're done there I think this is uh, finally our chance to get ri- get out of there and let Iraq and Iran figure out what they're going to do here. But okay, that's
0: oh boy. But what about um, uh, ISIS and everything else infiltrating and growing exponentially? I mean, that's that's the number one thing you got to worry about.
1: So well, here's the deal: is that. Iran and Iraq are together because of ISIS. And, um, and we've na- we've narrowed down our troops to 5,000 troops over there. It's a very small contingent of people that we have that are over there. The reason Iran is over there is because of ISIS. Now, Iran, they're Shiites. ISIS is Sunni. There's uh, uh, almost a millennial has gone by. Actually, it's, it's longer than that, uh, that they've been at each other's throats. We're not going to end that fight. why why, this is a fight that's been going on for uh, 1,400 years. Why is it your responsibility or my responsibility or my kid's responsibility to go and solve that? I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but it seems to me that ISIS has been pretty neutered. I mean, Mm. that's what I've heard.
0: Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, Over the last several, a few years, that's definitely seemed to be the case. So. I went right into the impeachment what's the latest there
1: all right so nancy pelosi is still holding on to the articles of impeachment yes and uh she is still saying that she needs to understand the the rules that are set up for the trial mitch mcconnell has already said what the rules of the trial are going to be they're going to be exactly like the clinton impeachment for some reason the Democrats, including uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, think for some reason that that's unfair. But let's go back to 1998 and look at the impeachment that was happening there in the Senate, the trial. The Democrats had the majority in the Senate. So they were the ones that were responsible for the rules of the impeachment. So the same rules the Democrats came up with back in in the 90s are the ones that Mitch McConnell wants to use for this trial. Why is that unfair? Uh, I don't know,
0: dude. They they loved the electoral college until the last election. Now yeah. they want to do away with it. They yeah. they wanted borders. They wanted to finish that damn wall up until Trump got elected. Now it's what wall?
1: What? So what's interesting about this whole thing is that Nancy Pelosi is saying, well, I need to know what the rules are so I can choose the proper managers. You see in the trial, you only have one person or maybe two people that represent uh, either side, and they do all the speaking. The way the trial is going to work is, is this way. Uh, there's going to be um, a an overview of what all the findings are first. Then they're going to have a vote to say, Okay. Do we want to uh, hear any witnesses? If they vote for witnesses and witnesses come, then at the end of that, then then they're going to have a vote whether to impeach or not, whether to to convict uh, for the impeachment. And so that that's what the rules are. Nancy knows what the rules are. She lived through them back in nineteen ninety eight, as well as Chuck Schumer. But here's the deal: is that it's pretty transparent that they don't have a case and Mm. that uh they're just going to try to drag this out as far as possible especially nancy pelosi meanwhile seven democrat senators are saying come on give us give us the articles of impeachment let's get this going among them is diane feinstein Mm. diane feinstein is the democrat senator out of san francisco Right where Nancy Pelosi comes from. So this doesn't look good for Nancy Pelosi that her own uh, counterparts in the Senate are saying, come on, enough with it. In fact, what, Nan- what uh, Diane said was, hey, if this is urgent, then send it over. If it's not, don't send it over at all. And so this thing is falling apart. And what I am seeing here is that the Democrats have better, had better <laughs> change their strategy here because what's happened is this. The people are getting wise to this. They're sick of this. And yeah. I'm not really sure how they think that this is going to be a positive for them in, in the 2020 election. Here's another point, either. Barry, is when this goes to trial, you've got several of these senators of the of Democratic senators that are running for president. And, and, and here's um, Chuck Schumer saying, hey, uh, Mitch McConnell is saying he's going to work with the White House. This isn't justice. But yet you've got all of these Democratic senators that are saying, yes, we have to convict Trump. This is egregious. So wh- wait a second. <laughs> if Mitch McConnell is out of line, then all these guys are out of line. And they're going to have to recuse themselves from the trial. Uh, I, this is a mess, and it's I'm mess. excited to see what's going to happen next.
0: Well, I, I was going to say, I don't you just think that Nancy Pelosi lost control of the party? She did not want to go through with the impeachment. She warned people not to do that, but she got pressured so That's much it. by that far left. Yeah, it's another in this. Yeah. And they're the ones that are destroying that party, and they're too young and dumb to even realize it. And now they're in this mess, as you said. It's a complete mess. They don't even know where to go from here. Do you think Pelosi's got a plan?
1: Does does she really know where she's going from here, do you think? It doesn't feel like it at all. In fact, I saw her. The last times I've seen reporters asking about the articles of impeachment, she freaks out. I mean, she's just... she looks like a person that needs a lot of antidepressants right now, because she's wow. just in the middle of a, 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 of a storm. And I don't see how she can get out of this and save face. Um, but I have to tell you that, um, I, I'm, I'm really concerned. About a lot of the things that she's saying, I, I saw her this morning. Uh, she was talking about Iran and and this potential war and how reckless the president is being. And then she compared this to the Battle of the Bulge and and said, "I just pray for peace." And uh, and she talked about how she talked to a lot of veterans and said, you know, they had such a problem killing in the name of 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 America, and that they all had. And, and here's, a, here's a deal: any human being that is good is going to have a problem with that but then she said but you know all of them were willing to die for their country so dying for your country so great but having to kill somebody i just hey nobody wants to kill somebody but if you're going to invoke the battle of the bulge if you Mm. know your history what was happening there is that hitler was making his last press to take over the world and she's talking about how, how, you know, hey, we can't kill anybody. Nobody wants to kill anybody. But the reason we have a military is to defend ourselves from people like Hitler who would have us all killed, men, women, and children. And so the fact is this, we have a right to defend ourselves. The mm-hmm. Declaration of Independence talks about the, the the laws of nature and of nature's God and the fact that we have the right to defend ourselves as individuals, and we have the right to defend ourselves as a nation. A nation is made up of individuals. This is an unalienable right. This man, Soleimani, was about to blow up our embassy. We mm-hmm. don't need constitutional approval to defend ourselves from that. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I know that Every founding father agreed with that, and it's supported in all of our founding documents. And to suggest that the president needs to get Nancy Pelosi's approval to defend the United States, exactly. it's sick. You know,
0: Lisa and I had this discussion last night, and bless her heart, she watches all the stations. Uh, you know, whether it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, The View, I don't know how she can sit through that, but she every day. She watches all that stuff. She's a political junkie. But I can tell when she's watching a little too much CNN and MSNBC because uh, the fear starts to take hold. And so we had this discussion last night and about, oh, my God, Trump's out of hand. He's going to start World War III and the stock market's going to crash and, and all of that. And I said, well, how about, you know, remember when Obama took out bin Laden about six years ago or so? how celebrated he was. Nobody questioned him. How about we switch those things? What do you say he took out Soleimani six years ago and the other day Trump took out Bin Laden? Same yeah. damn thing would happen. It I'll is. guarantee it. They would have celebrated Obama for taking out Soleimani and they would have been, uh, you know, fearing yeah. the end of the world if, because Trump took out bin Laden and is threatening world war three. No, it yeah. is just hysteria today. And I, the I the agree. media is preaching fear, uh, CNN, MSNBC, the mainstream media is just preaching fear all day long. I just want to say it out.
1: one thing. And I agree with you. They are, I really believe that our president is a lot smarter than what the media is saying. And I really believe that he's playing the media like a fiddle. When he first uh, started running for president, uh, one of the Mm -hmm. things he said, and it was really a criticism of Obama announcing that he was going to pull the troops out of uh, Iraq, which by the way, that's how ISIS formed in the first place. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, I'm not going to tell the media what I'm going to do. And as a result, here we are three years into it. And the media is saying, this is cowboy diplomacy. We don't know what he's going to do. He's, he's, he's erratic. He's crazy. (laughs) He doesn't even ask for consultation. Well, who's really crazy now. Now let's just think about that. Barry, don't you want our enemies to believe that? Yeah. Yeah. It's goes all the way back to the beginning of our
0: conversation with that crazy guy in the park. (laughs) <laughs> uh <laughs> you, you know yeah. it's well, one thing saying. if he was rational in threatening you but if he's crazy
1: and yes. seems like a threat he could do, do anything <laughs> he's gonna blow up he's gonna commit war crimes he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna blow everything up i'm, I'm gonna, gonna think, get water reported yeah like, that's what you you want we want our enemies to believe that he and when he came out with the 52 sites uh, um, equaling the 52 hostages hey that does sound a little crazy that sounds like something saddam hussein might say and that's what those people over there respond to they respond to power they don't respond to oh we'll give you 1.8 billion dollars here don't bother us they don't even hey, go- we know this in the middle east they respond to power not that kind of wimpy diplomacy
0: and you even illustrated that a little bit earlier with uh, the, the change in power from Jimmy Carter with the 52 hostages and going right into Ronald Reagan. Oh, here's your hostages. Yeah, you know, yeah basically, exactly. You, know, you
1: see, dude, it's, a, it's a, the whole thing is have a strong military and say that, hey, we, uh, we don't want war, but if you're going to mess with us, we won't hesitate to unleash the fury of hell on you. And yeah. that is how we keep America safe. That is how we keep America safe. And we can look at history and see that that is the truth.
0: Yeah, that's very true. So we are at 59 minutes exactly. So why don't we wind this up on a fairly funny and light note? How about Ricky Gervais' Golden Globe speech, the intro Uh, the other (laughs) night? Now, I never watched that stuff, but I'll go on the news and see what happened. That's the first thing I saw. So
1: I'm YouTubing that. Oh, I watched it 3 times. Well, I uh, I thought I thought it was it was a little uncomfortable at times. Uh, it was, which I loved. I found that on Twitter. That was the number one thing uh that was going worldwide was what uh Ricky G was saying and uh I you know, I just especially the part where he started railing on Apple. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. As we talk about this uh, privacy bill of rights here, Mm -hmm. he he Mm -hmm. was exactly right about that. He brought up Weinstein and, and Hey, you guys did that. And uh, Mm -hmm. he, man, he put it in their teeth and the, the reactions were great. However, after that was all over, I started thinking, this is Hollywood everything's mm. a facade in hollywood it sure is and i think that i i started thinking how likely is it that those people in the audience didn't know he was going to say all those things and i, I think it was thinking, genuine i don't know they're actors they can act like they're surprised that's what they do for a living so i don't know uh, I yeah think, I, don't, I don't know for do sure you, i'm just saying that ricky stupid. gervais
0: had to actually give his speech to them and submit it before he went up there. I don't think so. Yeah. He, I, Cause
1: he's done it before. Yeah. And you this, know? this is what I'm saying is that Hollywood doesn't like to take risks like that. They just don't. And they never well, do. You're right. And so uh, they don't want to take a risk where they could lose billions and billions of dollars because of what somebody says. It's too much of a risk for them to do that. It, do- it doesn't make sense to me as I, re- I thought it was great. But then when I started to really think about it and thought about how it was the number one thing on Twitter, man, they're just advertising for themselves it, the controversy yeah. draws people in. So I don't know, Barry, I, I one thing living out here in Hollywoodland. I don't trust these people. They're no, designers. I
0: totally agree. Well, now you got me wanting to Google this and see what kind of intel I can get on, whether you know, this was uh, really, truly spontaneous or leaked. I, I think I probably will do that. But I, I just loved the way he said, you know, when you get up here and take your acceptance speech, you got, you have less, uh, most of you have less education than Greta Th- Thunberg. Um, and he goes, just, <laughs> just say thank you to you and your God and get the, f-. they believe. Yeah, him. that get was the hell great. Out of here,
1: yeah. Oh my God, I love amazing that. it. He he
0: there's De Niro sitting there, like, oh shit, there went my speech. Cause you know, he's the first <laughs> one to get up there and, uh, Pontificate. I heard and, they all. Did oh, that drives now. me crazy. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I, I, oh, that drives me crazy. And, you know, Lisa loves Oprah, and I think Oprah has done a lot of good in a lot of ways. Most people don't know about her Super Soul Sunday special, which is really, which you would love. She always interviews people that are uh, about uh, whether self help, metaphysical, um, people that have conquered challenges, very inspirational stuff. So she's done a lot of good. But you and I talked about this a year or two ago when it happened, when she got up there and made her so-called impromptu speech and the, about that whole Me Too movement, to, and it was the Golden Globes or Oscars or whatever that was a year or two ago. Do you remember that? And she gave that big, long yeah. speech, yep. and, and the whole time she's saying all that crap, I'm like, what a bunch of hypocrites. How many people in that audience actually screwed a producer intentionally, actually went out and... and Intentionally screwed a producer in order to better their careers, and they're all up there clapping and this, that, or the other. Just a bunch of fake hypocrites. So,
1: it is, yeah, it's I don't a know. a symbiotic relationship, and it always has been in Hollywood. Nobody's really being taken advantage everyone's taking advantage of each other. There, that's really how Hollywood works. And man, I just saw a, yeah, uh, a each collage a yeah. of all of these people accepting awards and thanking Harvey Weinstein, people that are accusing him of, of of molesting them. They were all thanking him and saying, well, you, I couldn't have done this without you. And you did. One of them said, I don't know who you had to kill to get me up here. And they called him the enforcer. They called him the bad boy. They got, but they were all praising him. One of them, even um, what's her name? Uh, um, One of them called her, uh, called him God. Um, You know, so, They it's you can't believe anything that comes out. And and by the way, I mean, just this whole thing is sick and ugly and I stand against it. But, um, you know, they're they're stuck in a world over there that uh, operates a lot differently than the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, they sure do. If they were just more honest and said, yeah, we've been in this very hedonistic uh, industry for a very long time and it's a shame and we hope to better ourselves rather than getting up and preaching. Like I'm holier than thou and you know, hear me roar and all that other crap. That's what bothers me. It's the patting yourselves on the back all the damn time. It's disgusting. They're all part of the same machine. Well, to, me, it,
1: to me it means it's never going to change.
0: Yeah, very true. Hey, we're at a minute and five exactly. Uh, Ready to sign off and uh, get back to this next week?
1: All right. Sounds great, Barry. This has been great.
0: Yeah, it has been. And it seems like it's been too long. So we got a lot to follow up with next time. But I wanted to say, hey, catch us at over50startingover.com, spell that all out, no numerals, and sign up for uh, your favorite platform, whether it's our YouTube channel, please subscribe or your audio podcast. We're on all of the major channels and leave us a comment. You can hit uh, mail at over 50 starting or leave a comment on our YouTube station. We love to hear from you and you know, Hey, we gave Rex Lee a shout out. And Hey, by the way, I have to read his part too yet. Did you read that yet?
1: I, I had, and, uh, but it's been a while, and I'm going to read it again, and we can yeah, continue we'll talking basically. about this. This is really it's good stuff. It's important. Thank you, Rex.
0: Yes, yeah. Thank you very much. and So leave a comment, question, and we can't wait to get back to you next week. Merle, I'll talk to you later. You too, Barry. All right, bye.